0: Hi everyone, I'm Sinhara and welcome to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. This show is for all women who are dealing with infertility, but is specifically dedicated to black women because we have a problem with opening up when it comes to this issue. And I don't want to leave out the men, you guys are welcome here too. On today's episode, I'm going to be Skyping in my husband to get the male perspective on infertility because I've been asked over and over and over again, when am I going to have a man on the show? So here is part one of my three-part conversation with my husband. So if you listen to previous podcasts, you would have heard me talk about the fact that my husband and I were both diagnosed with fertility issues. I was told that I had PCOS and he was told that he had low motility. And throughout the years, I have urged him to go to a male fertility specialist and he has not done that. Um, And so it's been a source of argument between the two of us because I feel that he should have gone to the doctor. Right away once he knew that he had low motility. And so the reason that he knows that he has low motility is because a sperm analysis was done at my doctor's office. And so with that being said, I feel like women often will go and seek help and we will go and we will get our bodies evaluated. But men, I would say, kind of drag their feet when it comes to dealing with their fertility issues. They don't want to go to the doctor They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to tell their friends about it. And because I received so many messages from people asking, what are men thinking? When am I going to have my husband on? When am I going to have a man on to talk about their perspective? I thought it was so important to have my husband on to talk about his thoughts and talk about how he feels about this whole process. Because really, there's three sides to every story. Uh, There's my side. There's his side, and then there's my side again, which is the truth. So let's hear what he has to say. The big reversal. So I'm here with my husband, and... Well, actually, I'm Skyping him in because we're both on two different coasts. I'm on the West Coast right now. He's on the East Coast. And we were trying to do this podcast while we were at the same place, but that wasn't working just uh, because of time. And just so you know, my husband is very unfiltered. And so I'll probably have to cut him off sometimes because he uh, doesn't really have a filter. But anyhow, he is here on the line. Say hello, husband. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Hello, and I am, and I'm unfiltered. But you seem to love it, so um. I do.
0: I do love it, but at the same time, we're gonna have to reel you in for this podcast. <laughs> uh, so I was mentioning um, that you had a vasectomy, and you had that vasectomy in 2011, and so we never really talked about that too much. So if you can share pretty much what you experienced, what you went through and why you wanted to get the vasectomy, uh, why you wanted to get the reverse vasectomy rather, um, and why you got a vasectomy to begin with. If you can talk about that and just kind of shed more light onto the situation.
1: Okay, well, I received, I got my vasectomy in um, the military when I was 22 years old, and I got it because I had three boys and I felt like that if I didn't do something, that was gonna be absolutely effective in ensuring that I didn't have any more children, that I was gonna end up with having 15 or 16 children at the rate I was going at the age of 22 with three boys. Um, 20 years later, when you and I met, um, I guess I'm sharing my age, but um, <laughs> 20 years later- I've already
0: shared it. <laughs> okay.
1: Um, 20 years later, I you know, met you and then it was very clear to me that I want to have a child with you and you shared the same feelings. So then I started doing research on what is the best reverse bisectomy facility based on me having a bisectomy for so long. Um, and I found one in Arizona um, and that was the reason why I did it.
0: And so would you recommend in terms of the procedure and how everything went, would you recommend it to other men who have, basically gotten vasectomies, would you recommend they go through this process? Was it painful? Um, I know you had to take a bunch of vitamins afterwards. You mentioned that, but was the process itself painful? Would you recommend that other men do it?
1: Yeah, the process, I mean, was not painful. I, I was down physically for a few days and um, I was unable to, we were unable to have sex for a couple of weeks just during the healing process. Um, but painful, no, it wasn't painful. Um, they did Asked me to take a lot of vitamins, just normal vitamins, vitamin C, uh, B complex, and all these other vitamins, just to ensure um, that I was going to start producing sperm. And these are just things that they've learned over over time that really helped and were successful in the increasing the sperm count after a vasectomy. Uh, the doctor told me that it didn't it, it didn't matter that I had a vasectomy over twenty years because sperm is continuously Recreated uh, in men, unlike with women. So once we did that, and then um, we, they told me to continue having sex to keep the sperm count going and 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 creating.
0: And so, what was that like? Uh, I guess trying to, but you say you had to have sex every day or something, because we were not having sex at that point in time. So what were you doing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, we were not having sex at that time. (laughs) I remember it very clearly.
0: (laughs) What were you doing to follow doctor's
1: orders? (laughs) What I was doing was a doctor told me very clearly that I need to have an ejaculation, ejaculation every two days. And I was like, wow, that's a lot. So then I started thinking, well, this is really difficult, you know, me traveling a lot and me not, and you and I not being sexually active, it was very difficult. Um, And I honestly did not, wasn't able to do it every two days until we achieve a pregnancy. It was just impossible since I decided to have the reverse vasectomy early on and prior to us getting married.
0: Okay. And just, I didn't mention this in the very beginning, but um, in case our parents are listening, you may want to cut this off.
1: Yes, Mom, Dad, mother-in-law, father-in-law. I don't think this podcast is for you.
0: Let's talk about sex. Um, So let's let's move on and talk about um, after we got married and we're newlyweds and we are, you know, just thinking like most couples think. We're gonna have a child and let's just talk about that whole bit because we went from newlyweds to timing sex
1: right so I had a visectomy in a reverse visectomy in November we got married in February um, and that allowed the process of the visectomy to do its healing process and of course I wasn't able to have sex anyways but we weren't having sex Um, so then we got married and of course as a man and me specifically i was ecstatic to finally be able to be intimate with my wife unfortunately it became very mechanical right away because it wasn't about closeness or the things that men and women enjoy sexually it it became about creating 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 and only having sex or feeling like for me specifically only having sex to create and having downtime when you weren't ovulating does that make sense
0: yeah but i wouldn't say right away i would say after the first year is when it became mechanical because really the first nine months we didn't really know there was a problem like i remember i had gone to the doctor like after when we first met when i missed my period after the first month but i didn't really go back and really realize there was an issue until about nine months or so down the line
1: What do you mean when when we first met?
0: So after we got married, and so remember, as soon as we got married, a month after that, I missed my cycle. Well, the doctor doesn't really call it missing my cycle, and my cycle was late, so I thought I missed it. Right. And um, that's the first time I went to the doctor. But obviously, we only had been married for like, you know, a month and a half. And so she sent me back home and said, you know, just was a false alarm. But I'm saying a few months after that is when I went back to the doctor to say, Hey, it's been like, you know, six, seven months, still not pregnant. That uh, my OBGYN still didn't think it was a big deal, but she offered Clomid and um, at the time and said, you know, to keep trying, but it wasn't until the second year is when we started doing the fertility more so in time and the sex and stuff. So I'm just saying within the first year, I don't think the sex was mechanical. I think within by the time we got to the second year, we realized it was an issue. I think that's when it became more mechanical and more timing the sex and having the thermometers and the ovulation tests and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that's your answer. My answer is different. <laughs> My answer is. My answer is the be, truth. But go ahead. Okay. My <laughs> answer is, I had a I had a reverse vasectomy several months later. You and I became intimate and consciously I was thinking because you and I had discussed about having children, it was very conscious because I was conscious on when your cycle was coming, when your cycle wasn't coming, when you were ovulating, I was very conscious of it. And because we had a false alarm in the very beginning, I became very conscious of uh, when you were ovulating because I was traveling and then I was home. So yes, maybe it wasn't as intense as in a year a year later, but consciously I was thinking about, you know, your ovulation and creating life and you getting pregnant and me, you know, watching you for signs. Even though we didn't talk about it, I would watch and say, you know, are her nipples, are her breasts sore, or, or or things like that. I remember everything that you had going. I remember your you had a nosebleed one time in the beginning, and I looked up. I Googled it and I was like, nosebleed pregnancy. And it said, that is a sign of pregnancy. So I would not natu- naturally get excited about every single thing that I thought I saw because I was excited about the thought of us having a child together. But um, yeah, that was the first year. We weren't doing IVF. We weren't doing IUI. We weren't doing all the other fun and crazy things that we did, like apps and basal body, basal body temperature. Mm-hmm. But consciously as a man, I'm thinking... I'm going to get you pregnant and you're going to be pregnant soon because I had just went through a reverse vasectomy intentionally to get you pregnant.
0: And so in my opinion, you also initiated a lot of the baby making sex and it was time. So I just was like, I don't even want to have sex. And you'd be like, well, I just got to put the sperm in there. And so I feel like sometimes you you initiated the mechanicalness of the baby making process. How do you feel about that? do you agree
1: i somewhat agree you got to remember that we were newly married and i was excited about having sex period so of course me being the man i'm going to find every reason in the world to have sex with you outside of just normal intimacy So there were times also though on top of that where I knew you were ovulating and you weren't conscious of it because I don't think you were keeping track of it as much as I was keeping track of when you were ovulating or when I thought you were ovulating.
0: Yeah, at the time I I didn't really know, I wasn't really that much in tune with my body. I didn't really know all the things about my body. So you actually had all the apps, you knew a day my cycle was starting, you would telling me to download this app and download that app. That was just too much for me to even focus on i'm like whatever day my period comes is when it comes you know 14 days out from that day i guess i should be ovulating i don't know like i wasn't as focused on it and didn't really know that much about the whole process um but you were the one who were keeping me informed on (laughs) on what days we should be having really targeting having sex
1: right so that's when i would come to you and say you know jokingly but serious you know hey i gotta put some sperm in you and you would look at me crazy but um that's what i really meant like let's do this because let's get you pregnant. But of course, looking back on it now, I should have just took it much easier and instead of trying to program and control everything because that became very difficult for me long term. When it just felt like we were only intimate to create and instead of for you know enjoyment and intimacy and connecting with each other, it became only sex for to make a baby.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I definitely agree with that. But I also know that there were some times that we had sex and you would be the first, like you would take my legs and put them up on the wall and then you put a pillow. Okay, wait, <laughs> that <laughs> sounds weird. You got to be put, clear that. Okay. I'm talking about after we had sex. After sex, you would yeah, put, be clear. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> would put my legs up, my feet up on the wall and then right. you'll put a pillow underneath my butt and then you say, don't move for 10 minutes. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like laying here for 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't, right. think, I don't I, think this I, is like a normal yeah. process. I think people like if they get pregnant, like they, they just get pregnant. I don't think they got to put their feet up on the wall, put the pillows underneath their butt. Like, I don't think this is like something that well, normally right. happens.
1: Well, that was the beginning of us or me. Maybe it was me or us. I don't know. I guess I'll find out during the conversation. I think it was you.
0: I think that was the beginning of the cray-cray.
1: I was trying. Yeah, that was the beginning of the (laughs) cray-cray. Me me beginning to trying trying everything. You know, I had already had the app. I already had the basal body uh, temperature app. I already had the ovulation app. I already was looking at the blogs. I was already, you know, when I wasn't working, this is what I spent my time doing on. Trying to think about how am I going to get you pregnant? Because whether you realize it or not, I was very conscious of having a bisectomy and not being able to, um, you know, uh, provide sperm for 20 years. So now that I was able to, I was very conscious on and excited about getting you pregnant.
0: And and how do you feel? Because you have three adult sons um and you obviously weren't trying when you were when you had them how do you feel about that the fact that you weren't trying when you had them and now that you are trying and you know that part hasn't worked out for a ship
1: well after you know my children were born i never thought i would want to have another child so i was very satisfied with the vasectomy i was very satisfied with knowing that i would not be able to have another child because there was nobody out there that i thought I would be excited to, about or want to have a child with. Then I met you, and mm-hmm. you and I talked about having children. We talked about having a girl and a boy. We talked about a lot of things. I saw you as, you know, a potential mother of children, and how I thought you would be, or how I think you will be, a great mother. Period. Even now that I look at you, I think you know you're going to be a great mother. And when we have a child, you know who, how wonderful you're going to be. So. Yes, I'm still, you know, excited about having children with you for many reasons. One of them being because I think you're going to be an outstanding mother, and I'm excited about us growing our growing up or our children growing up with us under our guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you had another question, but now about my boys, um, what was your question?
0: Um, I guess more so, what are your feelings that? You back then when you had your your kids, which they're adults now. But how did you feel? How do you feel now, being that you were you weren't trying to have them? You know, it's not like you said, "Okay, I'm gonna get this girl pregnant," and now that you are actually trying, how do you feel? I guess about that contrast, about not trying, and then you you have three wonderful boys, and then trying, and Now it's not
1: working. Right. Well, I'm a very optimistic, optimistic person, as you know, Mm -hmm. it is frustrating. You know, I don't know. And, you know, to be to be realistic, you know, because I have three boys that are adults, I don't have the I'm not conscious of I'm not able to produce. I'm not able to have a child or this is, you know, my my stuff ain't working. (laughs) I don't have those feelings. (laughs) like that. Now, I do. I am conscious of the motility and all the things that, you know, are a problem just with natural age. And because I had a bisectomy for so long and um, those natural things that, you know, probably have made it harder. But um, I don't feel like um, I'm not conscious of my other boys in terms of us having a child. I think those two things for me are different. Now, I would probably feel totally different if I didn't have any children and you and I were trying to conceive, then I would probably start feeling like my, my junk doesn't work and my, and I would be questioning my manhood and all these things that I would probably be going through. I don't feel any of those things. I'm very optimistic. I don't believe that I can't get you pregnant. I know I can get you pregnant. Um, So that's what I feel.
0: No. Shame on you. So I realized that men are more ashamed about infertility than women are. And in terms of our relationship, why did you feel, or why do you feel, that it was more important to put the emphasis on what on the diagnosis the doctor gave me versus the diagnosis the doctor gave you? And I'm mentioning that in terms of just in general with telling people, um, even when you told um, my sisters and my nieces that I had PCOS, you know, you never mentioned that you had low motility. And I mentioned on a previous podcast that I was actually bothered by that. And so why do you feel that it's the more emphasis is put on the woman versus the man, even if there's an issue with both of them?
1: I don't know if I can relate to it as men and women, so let's just. I'm just going to focus on you and I. Okay. So why did I come out and let your family know that you had PCOS?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, the reason is, and I know we don't agree on this, mm-hmm. but the reason is is because I saw you on a regular basis hiding everything, and it was stressing you. It was making you unhappy. You were getting frustrated when family members would say, "When are you going to have a baby?" I remember your father was on the came into the room. You were visiting your father, and I was on the phone. I think we were facetiming. And your father walks in and says, "When are you guys gonna have a baby?" And I, and then he walked out the door. Or not, he didn't say when are you gonna have a baby. He says, "I I want you guys to have a baby so Gabe, which is your nephew, can have somebody to play with." So I don't remember the exact verbiage. Yeah. And you, and he walked out. And I was thinking, did your dad just tell me to have sex <laughs> with you? <laughs>
0: Yeah, but at that point, he was aware of the problem. He was just kind of like, you know.
1: I don't think, no, he was was not aware of the problem then.
0: Yes, he was. He was aware of the problem then because, long story short, I had came up with a name of what I was going to name my child. And I'm not going to get into all the specifics, but someone else, and me and my husband were the only two people who knew this name someone else named their child the exact same thing someone who i don't really know that well but you know we're kind of like in the same circle they named their child the same thing and so i was like what like what are the chances of that someone naming their child the exact same thing um and you actually know this person and so uh, that conversation was kind of on the heels of that I was visiting my parents and my dad. I don't know if he's trying to encourage me or, or where it come, came from, but he was like, "You, you guys need to go back and try again." Tell Ryan when he gets home, go get back to work. And I was like, "Huh?" And that's yeah, dad. that's what he said.
1: <laughs> you guys need to get to work. That's what he said. And I was thinking, did your dad just tell me <laughs> to just? No, sorry, it I'm gonna like... be. Did your dad just say you need to tap that? And I was like, uh, was What like, did he
0: say? Awkward. <laughs> but I,
1: but I don't agree. I think. He knew that you and I wanted to have a child because you have talked about the names. I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't think he knew because I remember your family going silent in the sense of telling you when you're going to have a child or you need to have a child when they realize that it is not going to be as easy for you and I to conceive as it might be for somebody who's much younger. I feel like the transition changed then, and that brings. that's why I felt like it was my duty. We had just got there your nephew your niece was in the kitchen and she was like when are you guys going to have a baby and i saw it in your face that it was hurtful to you even though they didn't understand what was happening and i as your husband and the protector of you i just was not going to have another moment of somebody saying something to you where i felt like it was hurtful to you and you were going to reflect on it for the next 24 hours it was going to affect our trip up there
0: yeah, but why didn't why didn't you say oh yeah and I also have low motility? You didn't say anything about yourself. That
1: wasn't the conversation. That wasn't the <laughs> conversation. I know it sounds funny. <laughs> I was. It wasn't that I was trying not to hide, and I have low motility. I said, "Leave her alone. She's dealing with PCOS," um, and that was it. I didn't was I was just was consciously thinking about motility because. The doctors made it very clear that even though I had low motility, there was still no reason why you and I could not get pregnant, because if you remember- But that
0: also goes back to the same thing with the PCOS, what they said with my particular case of PCOS is that even with you supposedly having this, is that there's no reason why you should get pregnant, because I don't have the, I guess, the normal indicators of PCOS. I ovulate on my own. I get my period. I don't have, you know, the issues that would prevent someone's. Obviously, if you don't ovulate, you won't be able to, you know, to conceive. And so, I never had those indicators or those issues as it relates to PCS. The thing I did have was high insulin. Um, and so, with my case of PCOS, the doctor said, especially our first two doctors, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get pregnant. And so I felt like we were both on the same playing field, but every time the conversation came up, it was in reference to, oh, well, yeah, she has PCOS.
1: Right. It, I wasn't saying it in its way of saying that's why we cannot get pregnant. I was saying it to say we are battling with, we are not battling, but this is the beginning stage of us trying to get conceived and stop asking it because we're dealing with some other things, mainly because they kept coming at you. They kept saying stuff to you your sister just had a baby so they were consciously thinking oh you're next you just got married so you know obviously they're thinking that we want you to have a baby and so on so i felt like you were being attacked and because i felt like you were being attacked i wanted to make sure it was clear yes looking back at it now yes i could have clearly said and even protected you even more and said nothing about pcos and said listen i'm this old you know whatever age i was then i'm 43 years old and I have motility issues. I, had a, I could have said all that to leave it alone, but I, even now, I don't know if that would have stopped them from talking to you, because they don't know the things that you and I have been through. They don't know the doctor conversations that we've had with doctors. They don't know how important it is for me that you are able to conceive. If you remember when we first, or not the first, but in the beginning of us going to see the doctor, I specifically told the doctor, listen, if I am a reason why she cannot get pregnant, we need to know now so I, so we can look into other alternatives of you getting pregnant with sperm donors and so on, because I do believe, going back to the other question of having three children, it is a wonderful thing to have. And you wanting to have a child, I don't want to be the reason why you don't have a child. And the doctor was very clear in saying, Ron, you are not the problem, so we don't even have to go there even with your low motility, we there's other methods that we can still inject into the egg and get, you know, so on and get her, get sperm and stuff, you know, going.
0: Yeah, so I don't remember her saying you're not the problem. I remember her saying that- No, she
1: didn't say you're not the problem. She says it's not a problem. You are not a problem with the, the low motility is not a problem because I still was producing sperm because they did not need it would have made it difficult during the IUI. Not see, we were going to go into IUI when we were talking to him. We weren't even talking about it IVF. But because the wash is what she called it. She says when they wash the sperm before they put it in you for the IUI process, that it actually is like a stimulant. And it gets them excited, and then um, they get this jolt of energy or whatever, which does not hinder them getting to the egg. Mm-hmm. That's what she said. So. I wasn't in in my mind, the motility was not a problem. And that's why, but I wanted to make sure that she's not just being nice and sweet and was like, oh, we're going to get you pregnant and so on. That's why I told her, listen, don't bull, you know, with us. If I'm the problem, let me know. And she was very clear. You are not the problem. This is not why she's not getting pregnant. And so on. She didn't say you, you weren't getting pregnant because of PCOS. She just said that I'm not the problem. So it's not. It wasn't a focus, and it still isn't a focus for me.
0: When are you going to the doctor? So one of the things that um, we we discussed, and one of the things that you know, I still. Um, i guess take issue with is that you haven't been to a male fertility specialist and so with my doctor she's a female fertility specialist she specializes in female uh, fertility problems and so even when we go to her she's not doing an examination of him she's doing an examination of me but of course when you do fertility treatments You know your spouse has to come with you, and so they have to do sperm analysis. And so through the sperm analysis, is that's how they know that he has low motility. And so I always feel that you know there are ways that even that we could possibly have avoided the IUIs or avoided the IVFs. And I don't know what male fertility specialists do, but if there's a way that they could see, oh well, you know you do have low motility, but this is what we can do to fix it. Um, I always felt like that would be a good option to, for him to go to the doctor and to see what the male doctor has to say. And so I'm just curious, um, husband, why haven't you gone to the male doctor?
1: Because I don't need to, <laughs> but do, I'm well, going to answer it alone. I'm going to answer you... it with a, I'm gonna answer with a little bit more length to it because I had several, Okay, after my reverse vasectomy,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: was doing sperm analysis every three months, I believe it was every three months. And every time I went back, my numbers were getting better and better and better in the, in the amount of sperm I was creating. So my sperm numbers were higher. Mm-hmm. The motility was still about the same. So, and just for everybody who may not know about the motility, it's basically my sperm, as embarrassing as this is, <laughs> <laughs> my sperm would, and I saw it on video, and my sperm would, going circles. So they weren't going <laughs> in a forward movement. They were just on a merry-go-round and circling and circling and circling and not going anywhere. Some of them didn't have the proper tail um, or whatever. And to have proper motility, they need to be forward swimmers. And my sperm were not swimming forward. Some of my sperm didn't even move. They came out in their little cane and they stood there and looked around like, what are we doing out here? So that was a problem for me. I understand the motility. But my sperm numbers were increasing and everything was getting better. So there was no reason for me to go spend additional money, money on seeing another doctor who I still feel to this day could do nothing for me outside of letting me know what my sperm count is, letting me know what additional medications but to take.
0: you don't know because you haven't been. And let's also quickly talk about the sperm count husband, because remember, when you went to the doctor by one time, well, you came with me to my doctor and we were getting ready to do an IUI. And I forget how much she was telling you like your counts, this is your sperm count, this is this. And you like, woo, I have such and such a million. <laughs> I don't remember the number was. Okay. You, <laughs> you want to make
1: a, so you want to make a joke out of me? Okay, I got. You said, it. I'm there.
0: I'm with you. You yes. said I have such and such million sperm. In I remember. She was like, "That's not high."
1: <laughs> I was I was oblivious to what a proper sperm count was, and I think I had 17 million sperm. And I'm thinking, I got 17 million sperm. <laughs> I am good to go. So when we went back to the doctor. And I think I think it was our initial evaluation with the second doctor or whatever.
0: This was during I, the IUI.
1: Oh, this she, is during the yeah, IUI. she was repeating yeah. the
0: numbers to you before they actually do the insemination. Right. She,
1: she said, "Okay, we have twelve million, you know, in here." I'm like, "Yeah, that's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about." And she was like, "Well, Ron, that is actually a very low number." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And then I think she said, "A a normal twenty-one year old kid, and don't quote me on this." Um, OK, I know a low sperm count for sure is anything less than 15 million is what they consider a low sperm count and as per milliliter uh, of semen. And so that's how they kind of check it and diagnose it. I believe a 21 a, a year old sperm count is over 200 million. I need to Google it real quick or whatever, but I'm not even close to that. So, you know, the older men get, the sperm count may reduce or it may be the same, but it's typically around 20, 200 million. And I was excited about my 12 million or whatever it was because it sounded like a lot to me. You know, I only need one. That's something. I only need one sperm to make it to the egg, but that's actually so many get filtered out during you know, as they enter the cervix, and then someone go to the wrong, you know, they don't swim at all, as we just talked about, because my swimmers were going in circles or not swimming at all or whatever. And then, of course, some of them were probably getting lost, just like all normal sperm do, you know, not going towards the egg and so on. So after all that, it was very difficult for my sperm to make it to the egg naturally during the IUI process. But during the wash, they still felt like they were hopeful because the wash was actually, you know, kind of like, and I don't, I don't know if this is the proper word, but kind of like on steroids, they were kind of just fresh and excited, almost like having a Gatorade and they were ready to go for uh, on the mission that made it me think more positive. So there was no reason for me to once again, go see another doctor to tell me, okay, let's do a sperm analysis. Your sperm analysis is low. I was already taking every vitamin possible. I was also taking um uh, fertile aid pills which you can buy everywhere which is increases motility increases the sperm count it just has all the nutrients and stuff that sperm needs to be healthy and so on so i was doing all that so i didn't want to waste another dime knowing that the doctor had told me that iui did not it it had nothing to do with my sperm because they had already seen the count so that's why i didn't want to and still don't want to go see a male doctor because I don't know what i just can't imagine in my mind what they are going to say to me outside of you have low motility and your sperm count is low they can't fix those things what i believe so unless you know something i don't you know i'm 48 years old and we achieved you know during ivf the ability now of course i would love to you know get you pregnant naturally but now we are at this process of IVF and we're going to try this not saying that we can I can't get you pregnant naturally but you know this is where we're at and I don't feel like I need to go spend another dime on anything else or evaluating me because we have spent a lot of money on my reverse bisectomy the IUI process the medications the Clomez all these things that we've done I just feel like we're at a point now we need to just focus on one method. And if that doesn't uh, succeed, then I will promise you now that if we don't succeed in this IVF process, I will go see a male fertility specialist. But in my mind, I'm still knowing that I don't feel like it's going to do anything for me.
0: So you guys heard it first. If this IVF process doesn't work, he's going to see a male fertility specialist. We got it on record, husband.
1: Yes, and I'll delete the podcast when we. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: I am Sinhara Eastman, and thank you for listening to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. You can stay connected with this movement on my website, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please join my mailing list at blackgirlsguidedfertility.com and on sanharaisman.com. And please stay tuned for episode two of this three-part series where I continue to keep my husband in the hot seat.